0: To begin Lent and as far as child care for that the nursery will be open so families are welcome to attend um, we will also be having a good Friday service at 6:30 p.m. as well and then a couple notes about Easter um, one of the things we wanted to do this year was to do baptisms on Easter so if you are interested in getting baptism if or getting baptized if you have questions about that you can contact Micah at awakenwestseventh.com Um, And we're also doing like an info meeting after the second gathering on March 15th. So if you're interested in getting baptized on Easter, March 15th is that info meeting. Um, What else? Oh, also connected to Lent, uh, Jane Berg is hosting a silent retreat the weekend of April 3rd to the 5th at a place called Pachaman Terrace. Um, That means peace on earth in Latin, but it's in Isanti and it's um, a retreat center. You get a little hermitage. It's really great, but that weekend is really about making some space for reflection and discernment, maybe whatever you need. Um, there are spots for 11 people. If you are interested in that or have questions about that, you can contact Jane at awakenwestseventh.com, 7thcom uh, And the deadline for that sign-up is March 13th. Uh, And then last, next weekend, March 1st, we are hosting an event called Discover Awaken. So this is something we usually do about every other month. If you are new, this is a really good way to learn a little bit more about Awaken, if you have any questions, if you want to meet any new people, that's kind of what happens after the second gathering, March 1st at Discover Awaken. Uh, You also get lunch. So if you are interested in that, you can sign up online just so we know how many to plan for. Um, With that, we'd love to invite our kids to their time of worship. Parents, if you're new, they're more than welcome to stay in the gathering with you. Otherwise, if you want to head down and check them in, that would be great. So first grade and under on this side, and second through fifth on that side.
1: May God give you eyes to see
2: Good morning, friends. Nice to see you all. I'm Micah, if we don't know each other, one of the pastors here. Um, Spring is upon us, man. It is coming right around the corner, which is very exciting. And no, um, not too soon to start talking about what we're going to be doing in the fall, which is Team World Vision. So if you have been around Awaken, you know in the summer we gather some people and have a team of people that run for World Vision, uh, the Twin Cities Marathon, which is in October, first weekend in October. Uh, My wife ran it in 2013 with our inaugural team. I ran it in 2015 and have attempted a couple other times. I hope to run it one more time successfully, at least. Um, So I want to invite my friend Dan Hobbs, who will join us. So if you would please welcome uh, Dan. He'll share a little bit about Team World Vision and how we do it.
3: Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I don't know about you, but for me, one of the things that helps my spiritual growth the most is to say yes, to step out of my fears, to step out of my comfort zone, and to say yes to the things that God puts in my ear. In the last couple of years, folks here at Awaken have done something really amazing. You've stepped beyond fear and said yes to running a full marathon. In fact, 150 people from Awaken have done that since 2013. And over those years, those same folks brought life-saving life transformation to over 5,000 people around the world, which is absolutely incredible. And when we did that, we joined dozens of other churches around Minnesota, and we showed the Twin Cities that we're about love, unity, and caring for the world's most vulnerable children. And today, as Micah said, we are launching the 2020 Team World Vision Team here at Awaken, and it's going to be another amazing year. But I know we've lost a bunch of you already because I use the words marathon and running and you've tuned me out. But tune back in and stick with me. So for me, this journey began in 2012. At the time, my life was a complete wreck. I had wrecked my marriage. I had lost my job. I would ruined the relationship with my kids. I had separated myself from God. I, my, everything was a mess. And a friend of mine challenged me to run a half marathon at the time to help deal with the extreme depression I was struggling with. But the first thing that went through my mind was two very simple letters, N and O. no, absolutely not. I didn't enjoy running, I had never run more than a mile or two, and with everything going in my life, it just seemed absolutely impossible. But God had a different story, and so despite my internal resistance, I did say yes, because I knew God wanted me to do it. Now I had a low bar that first time I ran, I just wanted to feel a little better inside, I wanted to reach out and help with a good cause, and I wanted to survive, I wanted to cross a finish line walking on my own two feet. But what I didn't count on happening was the change in my own life. I thrived, I reconnected with God, I was able to rebuild my relationship with my kids and get back on my feet again. And now I've seen this same transformation in hundreds and hundreds of our teammates here in the Twin Cities. Weight loss, thriving confidence, relationships restored, and people coming to Jesus through this experience. So there's two things I really love about this. First is 80% of our people are first-time runners. They, like me, had never run a mile before, and here we are. Secondly is we are really slow. We're so slow, we affectionately call ourselves the back of the pack. When everybody else goes by, give it like five or 10 minutes and then you'll see a bunch of orange jerseys show up. We're all ages, all shapes, and all sizes, from teens to parents to grandparents, and we all use our couch to finish line training plan. You heard me right, couch to finish line. And my promise to you is this, when this is all over with, we'll put you right back on your couch. So, it's good stuff. Now, the second thing I love is why we run. We run for clean water and for hope for children in Africa. And I think I have an image here of one of my family members. This is Linda. She's my sponsor child in Kenya. And every day, Linda had to go on a two-mile walk to fetch water. And the dirty pond where she fetched water is also where thousands of people got their water, their livestock drank and relieved themselves and where people washed their clothes. The water from this source is this picture here. I took that picture myself. I've seen this with my own eyes uh, two years ago. The water from this source will kill over 50% of the kids in Linda's village before they reach the age of five. Let me repeat that, the disease in bacteria filled water will kill 50% of the children in her village before they reach the age of 5. Lack of access to clean water is still the leading cause of preventable death around the world. On top of that, children like Linda had to walk miles every day and being gone kept them out of school and having an opportunity to bring their communities out of poverty. And folks, if we didn't have access to basic amenities like this here in Minnesota, we would be stuck in poverty and our children would be dying and not being able to go to school. So as a Christian, I'm not going to turn away from a child like Linda. World Vision is well on its way towards ending the clean water crisis, though, and on our current path, we will be able to end the water crisis in every community we're working in in almost 100 countries by 2030. But we need you to join me today to accomplish this in that time frame. My friend, uh, Pastor Tom Fotenhauer from Woodbury, got to go to a sister village to Linda's uh, this past year. And when he came back, he told me one of the most important things I'd ever heard. The mothers there were thanking him and the World Vision staff because their children now had the ability to do one of the most basic things, to hear the answer yes. Yes, you may go to school. Yes, you are worthy. And yes, you now have a future. So if I can jump in and join a few mi- or run a few miles to help a child like Linda, then I'm going to say yes, despite the fact I still don't like running eight years later, and I still have a busy life. But it all begins with someone like you saying yes and joining me here. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to step down, join you for worship, and then immediately after service, we're going to meet right over here in this corner uh, for a 10-minute, what we call an info session. And we have donuts, and yes, donuts, because I'm running for these kids not to look perfect. So come on down and enjoy. Uh, um, but coming to the info session, you're not committing yourself to anything. You're just coming to hear more information on how you could get involved. So will you say yes? Will you say yes long enough to come get more information? Thank you so much. We'll see you afterwards.
2: Thanks, Dan. Appropriate for where we're going today, but I want to just say, um, Stop by afterwards, if you have any inkling of like, maybe I could do this, just stop by, get some information, and uh, we'll go from there. You, you commit yourself to nothing except a donut, as Dan said, uh, which is great. So um, please do that. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 6, and to all the introverts in the room, this is where we're skipping the greeting, so you're welcome. Because <laughs> uh, we got places to go and people to see, all right? Um, It's Epiphany. It's the last Sunday in Epiphany, if you didn't know that, uh, in the church calendar. It is also Transfiguration Sunday. So in the Gospels, Jesus heads up on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and Moses makes an appearance, Elijah makes an appearance, the glory of God is revealed, and Jesus kind of continues his journey towards Jerusalem and towards the cross, which is where, of course, Lent takes us. Uh, We have been in the series, uh, or in the book of Galatians, uh, over this past couple of months, And if you've been with us, you know that we've been sort of camping on these three major ideas, the first of which is Paul talking about what is the gospel, what is the good news, the crucified and resurrected Messiah, nothing less, nothing more than that. From there, Paul uh, um, speaks of the accomplishment of this good news, this crucified and resurrected Messiah in the world, and what it does, which is to create this multi-ethnic family of God. Um, The ways in which we divide the world and distinguish uh, one from another and then gain value based on that difference, Paul says, those don't exist, especially on the basis of race, gender, and class. Uh, Three of the ways we traditionally and historically have split ourselves up as humans. He says, "In, in Christ, all of those things don't exist. And then last, uh, he speaks of this, the fruit of this life connected to this Messiah, this Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of God, which we talked about last week, beyond strict adherence to the law on the one hand and beyond or or in between uh, this idea of libertinism or just kind of um, satisfying the desires of the flesh, Paul says, Um, rather this life empowered by the Spirit. And so in chapter 6, Paul ends with a bit of encouragement for the churches in Galatia. And uh, truth be told, that's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you. I want you. I hope that you leave today filled up. That you, um, whatever you walked in here with, that the tank is a little bit fuller as you leave. That you have an encounter with the Word of God and hear and experience the revealed Word of Christ in 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 the table at communion. Uh, So, as one of your pastors who has the honor and privilege of walking with you, that's what I hope happens today. I hope you leave encouraged. So. Galatians chapter 6, if you can, I'll invite you to stand. We'll read that, and then just a couple of thoughts before we invite my friend John to join us. Verse 1 of chapter 6, Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves, Each one should test their own actions, and then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. See see what large letters I use to write with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything what counts is new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Pray with me. God, we thank you for this word given and revealed to Paul and um, offered to the churches in Galatia. And I pray that today as we, this little church in St. Paul, gather in your name, that you would meet us once again, that you would um, offer yourself an encouragement, uh, a word of exhortation, a word of um, challenge and invitation to follow you wherever you are leading, I pray. In the strong name of Christ and all God's people said together, amen. You may be seated. So last week, if you were with us, it felt to me like a really important week in the life of our church. Uh, we, are, we have been and we're discussing... Uh, what does it mean to, to live this life of faith? And especially for a group of people, many of whom are in the process of deconstructing and trying to reconstruct a life of faith and a spiritual life that they can stand in and um, uh, not be proud of isn't the right word, but, but can stand in and live from. And Paul in chapter 5 gives us one of the most helpful and instructive ideas, with, which is the fruit of the Spirit. There is this means by which we can discern and determine what is good and what is life-giving and what is of God. Um, And so Paul invites us to that, a life connected to and empowered by the Spirit of the risen Christ, which bears this certain kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. And so this week, as Paul concludes his letter to the Galatians, he reminds them, he begins by reminding them that there are times when some among us fall into the trap of believing the lie, that if we follow this road that satisfies our flesh, that we will somehow find life. We've all been there before. We do it every day. And Paul says, listen, for those who are around you and in community with you, there is a time and a place for you to step in and say, hey, we might want to think twice about that we might want to challenge one another's decisions about this that or the other thing in love and in the name of Christ he says with gentleness and i would say i would add to that humbly we enter into that as brothers and sisters and he says as we do that we bear the we bear one another's burdens with each other which is one of the tasks and the calls of the community gathered in Jesus name so there's a place for that there's a way by which we do it paul says and then he keeps going and here's what i want to do today i want to offer you one reminder and then one encouragement. Um, Paul says in verses 6 and 7, and I would say for the most part, but Paul says, we reap what we sow. Now this may seem elementary to you. Thank you, Micah, I know this to be true. I want to just stop, pause for a moment here, and remind you that the universe works in certain ways. There are certain like, universal truths and patterns that happen over and over again and again. For example, what goes up must... Come down, right? That's called gravity. It always happens. It always works. Uh, The sun rises in the east and sets in the west most days. Right? The, the, The tide goes out and it comes back in. That's the moon, gravity. There's winter, spring, summer, and fall. Praise Jesus. Spring and summer. And there's death and there's resurrection, right? There's death and there's new life. There's just ways that the universe works. And Paul grabs onto one of these patterns and connects it to this conversation about the flesh and the spirit when he says, you reap what you sow. Whatever we plant and sow in our hearts and souls, our relationships and in the world will grow and bear fruit in the world. That's just how it works. This is the beauty of the Genesis poem, by the way, right? Right? Whatever we plant, whatever we sow, it bears fruit. Each plant bears seeds and fruit according to its kind. Each animal and being bears seeds and fruit according to its kind. I'll say it this way. The fruit that is born when we sow seeds of the flesh always leads to destruction. Conversely, the fruit that is born when we sow seeds in the Spirit leads to eternal life. It leads to flourishing. It leads to life. So my question to you this morning as we pause just for a moment on this word of wisdom is what seeds are you sowing? Like you all wake up every day, you eat breakfast, you put your clothes on, you go to work, you go to your classes, you go to school, you go to uh, your family gatherings, you, you show up in your community spaces. Wherever it is you go, you're scattering seed with your life. You're sowing certain kinds of things by the actions and the ways that you show up and make decisions. So what fruit will be born from the seeds that you're sowing? Another way to think about this is, what are you experiencing now? And is it possible that you sowed those seeds in the season previous to this one? Now I recognize, you know, Jonah is an exploration of this, that sometimes people make decisions and we reap the consequence of those decisions and we did not sow those seeds, amen? That happens. But by and large, we reap what we sow. And it's likely that whatever I'm experiencing right now in my life, whatever it may be, there's a really good chance that I sowed those seeds previously. And whatever you hope to experience in the future, what kinds of seeds would you need to sow now in order for that to take place in the next six months to a year to two years to five years? See, Paul says with, all, with many other wise people who have walked the planet, we re- reap what we sow. And then he goes on, and he offers a word of encouragement when he says, And so, friends, do not be weary, do not grow weary of doing good. Now, I'm I'm, I'm only 43. I know I don't look it. And I've lived a little bit of life. Lord willing, I have a lot more in front of me. But even at this young, spry age, I know that there are seasons in life when we plant good seeds when we feel like we're sowing good seeds and yet you can't you don't see the fruit of those seeds you you feel like you're you're investing in good things and you're you're you know hand to the plow you're doing what is good and of life and of hope and yet there are seasons and times in our lives when it's just like can can I just get a break yeah where you don't see the fruit of your labor and you think like is this in vain like are, am I a fool here Is like the universe laughing right now? The psalmist in Psalm 73 says it. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, right? It's like the guy down in the corner office, he keeps cutting corners and choosing himself over everybody else, but he keeps making quota and getting the bonuses, and now he's in Florida or Mexico or Cancun, and I'm here in February, right? And it feels like the wicked are prospering, and they're planting bad seeds, but they keep like, who's the fool now? But the psalmist comes back around, as do the wise, and says, There are seasons in our lives when it feels like there's no fruit being born from our effort. And even sometimes when we feel like we've heard the voice of God invite us to do this thing or move in this way, and yet there doesn't seem to be much fruit. And so I want to take a moment this morning as we close this series to encourage you you are not a fool, do not grow weary of doing good. As hard as whatever it is that you've invested your or even given your life to, don't grow weary of doing good. So teachers, keep teaching. Realtors, keep selling houses equitably and fairly. Accountants, keep doing spreadsheets with all your skill. (laughs) Moms and dads, keep loving those kids as much as they don't seem to want your love. Counselors, keep meeting with people and offering care and therapy and health and wellness. Kids community workers, please don't grow weary of doing good. (laughs) People who serve coffee in our community, people who serve on the advisory team, people who serve on our music team, whatever it is you're doing, don't grow weary of doing good, for in due time... What the resurrection ensures for those who follow this Jesus is that our hope is not in the things that we see in the here and now, but that God will do for all of creation in Christ what God does for Jesus at Easter. And that, my friends, is life. It's resurrection. The things that last in this life and that will last in the next life are the things of light and of hope and of joy and of justice and of peace and of mercy, gentleness, self-control, all the things Paul says. So though you may feel the fool. Maybe you're in a season where you've just had your hand to the plow for a really long time and it feels like there is no fruit. Do not grow weary of doing good. As we were thinking about this series and how we might end it, uh, this idea of don't grow weary of doing good, Mel and Jenna and I were worship planning and we were talking about like is there anybody in our community for whom this story like has a, a home I'm, I'm always um, so grateful and blown away at like all the people who gather. And I hear these little bits and stories of things that you all are doing. And I think, like do, you, do the people next to you know who you are and what you're doing in the world? It's amazing. It's incredible. And I talk a lot, I recognize. So I thought, what a better way than just to have somebody for whom this passage seems to be... Um, alive and real. So would you guys, would you please welcome my friend John Sunday. John's going to join me up here this morning. <laughs> we were talking about today um, and I said, is, is, this a, is this alive? And anybody at Mel was like, oh, you should ask John. So John and I got together last week at High Low Diner and we had a little conversation and I thought, you know, I think, uh, I think Part of your journey, John, would be uh, life-giving and encouraging to this community. So, John agreed to come. Here we are. So, John, tell us a little bit. Uh, you grew up a musician. You grew up in a family of musicians. You grew up at camp. Uh, tell us a little bit about like, how you came to the, pro- the, the place of pursuing music as a, a life.
4: Uh, yeah. Um, so, I grew up in Amherst, Wisconsin. Uh, my folks were involved in Wapagast Lutheran Bible Camp, if folks are familiar with that. And so I essentially grew up at a Bible camp. Um, They had gotten involved in that uh, because um, from the 60s into the 90s, they were involved in Lutheran Youth Encounter, which was in the 60s, the start of this kind of youth-to-youth ministry um, stuff was happening, and the primary way that that was happening is they were sharing music at churches. And so they traveled all around the country and uh, um, internationally, um, performing at churches um, and ministering to folks. And so I grew up with that into into my life, um, my dad was a part of a, would lead these big youth conventions, the music at these big youth conventions, so we'd travel on weekends and, um, and be there to see that. So I grew up watching my dad uh, play music and write songs, and um, from as early as I can remember, I, I was just loved that and, and, uh, and was passionate about it, and all I wanted to do was be in a band and um, write songs. And so at 12, I started writing songs, and I haven't done anything else more than that in my life. I've just, it's been my abiding passion for my whole life, yeah. So 12 you wrote your first song. You're I'm 36 now. So 24 years of songs. <laughs> <laughs> um you shared with
2: me uh an experience you had in school. You're you're going to school for this 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 degree and had a bit of a let's call it a fantastical spiritual experience. Um yeah. share about that if you would.
4: Yeah, yeah. So I um I knew I loved uh, music, and and all I wanted to do was that, um, but I'm, you know, practically minded enough that I thought, well, I gotta get a job that pays me money, um, <clears throat> and so I went to the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire to be a choir t- teacher, I was gonna, I was studying to be a music educator, and, um, but I also, I grew up in Amory, Wisconsin, a little town, and there wasn't really a culture of kids making bands and stuff, and so I was like, college is where you make a band, and so, um, so I also had that as a very like goal, a strong goal, and so kind of these two paths were um, working parallel. I was going to school and studying kind of classical Western Western classical music and um, choir stuff, and then also was started this band and was really actively developing that. Um, and so, <clears throat> if you've been in an education, if you did an education course or something, you know, if you were pursuing that, it's a very like regimented, like uh, thing from day one. There's all your Four years is laid out for you. So I had been in that process for, until my like sophomore or the second half of my junior year, and was sitting in a elementary education class. And this gal came in who was a part of the program to with withdrawal papers to because um, she was choosing a different uh, major and withdrawing from the program. And when she did that, I had this kind of crazy experience. I'd I'd grown up Lutheran um, not against the idea of like charismatic God speaking to you kind of experiences, but I just hadn't had much of that or had it modeled a whole lot to me. But in this moment when she handed um, her papers in, like this kind of wild experience of like all these visions started flashing before my, these memories flashing before my eyes uh, of people kind of coming up to me after my performing or sharing music stuff and just um, expressing their, How they were moved or affected um, by my music. And um, and the sense that I had in that experience was God saying, I've given you this gift. You can trust it. Um, And I think I'd been wrestling for all those years of like, I want to do this, but it feels totally crazy. Like this isn't a way to do. And my folks actually were more supportive all all along. And they're like, I don't know, you should go to do this, and I was like, no, that's crazy. Um, but this was a really uh, profound experience, and so I got out of that class, it was super euphoric, I was just like buzzing through the class, and then I got out and immediately called, and I was like, I think I need to drop my education major and like just do this thing. So, um, so I, I, I finished up as a liberal arts music major and religious studies minor and, and jumped off the cliff. And you were, Geronimo as they say, uh, you were
2: what, 20 at that point? Uh, yeah, around the turn around there. Like so, for the past sixteen years, you've been dedicating your life to this craft and this gift. Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
4: yeah. I I have, and it's been an interesting path. It was like a really crazy thing. So I had this mo- the, my most profound sense of call that I ever f- had before or since really in that moment, and it really felt like that. It felt like a call, a, a calling, like you heard God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and then. I graduated from college and for the next year had the most profound writer's block I've ever experienced, <laughs> um, which was total whiplash and, and crazy, you know? I mean, I felt so like, what's going on here? You know, you told me to do this and now what's, what's happening here? And it was interesting because, I mean, and it was really dark, it was a really challenging um, experience, and what was revealed to me, I think, through that, and I processed it with my friends, and was, it was all I seemed to talk about, uh, when people were saying, how are you doing? I was like, well, actually, it's, it's pretty dark right now.
3: <laughs> it's pretty dark.
4: Um, but what kind of came out of it was, um, I feel like God led me to the recognition of how much I'd, I'd wrap my own self-worth in my ability to write a song, or get praise for that, or be recognized for that. Um, uh, that I'd really built my worth on, on that. And so he was, he was inviting me to not surrender, writing songs and pursuing this, but that that's not a necessary part. Like your, your value is not based in this. Mm-hmm. And then also it was a real, he really kind of clarified and it was, I, I had this sense come out of it, which I was reminded by a friend, I totally kind of forgotten that this had, had happened as well, but recently was reminded um, that this sense of like God saying, it's about people, it's about other people. It is not about you. Um, And so that kind of process, it's been interesting as I've grown in doing music. Like, I haven't totally, that's still a temptation. You know, the whole, like, this is about me, look at me kind of thing um, is still a temptation within it. But, like, God keeps bringing it back to, like, this is a service and and kind of deepening that um, uh, throughout the process Hmm. of. This.
2: It, sound, it feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the pieces of wisdom along this journey has been like, my worth is not, my value is not connected to this thing I produce. Yeah,
4: absolutely.
2: And um, saying yes to the call of something doesn't, nece- doesn't necessitate a certain outcome. Um, it, as a group of people gathered, maybe some of whom are weary of doing good, is there a word of encouragement or a word of uh,
4: hope that you would offer from
2: your own experience? Sure. Um,
4: yeah, well, once I, one, I would just like acknowledge that it's like incredibly valid, that the weariness that we feel, I think, and that you're feeling maybe in this, that it's not, it's not an indication of a lack in you that you are tired out, um, which I think I need to hear a lot. <laughs> Um, and I think it's often, you know, we judge ourselves and want to project a certain sense of like forward momentum and success or something and, and, and kind of neglect the reality. And I don't think that's what God is calling us to. Like, I think he's, he's well aware of our weariness and, and is okay with us being honest about that and confused about that. Um, and then also a big thing for me that, um, has just been resonant and I've thought of over the, over the years, um, is that, that idea that you know, the idea that the way of God looks foolish, is foolishness to the world. Like, a thing that I'm deepening in is this recognition that it's supposed to look different. Like, if you're following God, like, I think I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to follow God, and I wanted to have all the success that the world tells me I should have. I wanted both of them, you know? Um, And I think God is, like, my way just looks different. It's gonna look foolish to people. Necessarily, it should. Like, I'm calling you on a different path. I, I, di- I died to save us. I failed so that we could win. You know, like, this is the model that I'm calling you into. Um, and so, necessarily, your life should look different and foolish based on the criteria that we've, we've inherited from our cultural values. Um, And that's not to say that then like the degree to which you're doing foolish things is like you're committed to god necessarily you still need like i've still had to invite my community and my family and stuff to be like am i just being foolish because sometimes it can be just a belligerent like selfishness like no i want to do this and so i'm going to do that and that's not what god's calling us to i think we need to invite people to help discern that that um thing with us but but i'm just i feel really convicted in this moment <laughs> that i think it god is calling us to look different and that might mean that we're going to make a lot less money than we thought we were supposed to make or or the things that we thought were the markers of our success won't manifest in the way we think to but, but what god is promising is like you didn't need that stuff anyway i will lead you to to what you truly need and what will truly satisfy but man it is such a process of like recognizing that and being encouraged by that and then you know, falling backwards and being like, yeah, but I would like more money. Mm. Uh, And then kind of coming back and recognizing that again. And so, yeah, we need to, I think we need to be walking in that together to know that um, the foolishness with which God calls us is is to actually uh, life, you know, Um, Mm. yeah.
2: Something like that. It's as if the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, for he leads me beside still waters. Thank you, there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, I would love to offer a word of prayer and a space for a bit of silence for you to consider. Um, what is the good, what is the tove, what is the seed that I've been invited to live and, and plant and give to the world with my life? Um, and then I asked John if there was one thing, like if he would give as an encouragement or, um, and so he's gonna lead us, well, he's gonna sing a song. Um, for you and over you, um, and then we'll move to the table. So pray with me if you would. God, for just a moment as we sit in silence, I pray that there would be enough space and enough quiet for us to hear our own hearts. And that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be afraid of them, that you would remind us that they are not our enemy, but that they are um, one of the many places where we hear and know you. And so speak to us now, remind us of the good, of the seed, of the the things that you have entrusted to us um, to plant and invest and give our own lives for um, that like your son, um, maybe are buried beneath the ground but in time will bear fruit, um, fruit that looks like more love and joy and peace and patience. So speak to us, I pray.
5: In the morning when I rise In the morning Lord, and when I'm all alone Yes, and when I'm all alone when I'm in a crowd listen when I'm in a crowd give me Jesus give me Jesus give me
1: Jesus
5: Jesus. you can have all the You can have all the world You can have all the world But give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Lord, and when I come to die, yes, and when I come to die, Lord, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. Because I'm still alive, because I'm still
6: alive,
5: well, because I
2: On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. So when you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. and He said, this is my blood shed for you. When you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. Howard Thurman, who is an African-American theologian and pastor and author, writes this about Communion. It says, To eat the body and drink the blood of the sacred totem of the tribe and its special ceremony meant sharing the life and partaking of the essence of the sacred object. In doing so, one became like the object. Thus, one became what one worshipped. This makes structural sense of the Communion service as applied to Jesus. It became symbolically an experience of total surrender to or a taking into oneself of his spirit and his life. So just a moment, we'll invite you to come and participate in this life, this death, this resurrection, this body and this blood. When you do, we'll invite you to come from the sides to take the piece of bread and dip it in the cup. There's red wine and white grape juice, gluten-free is in the center. And you'll hear the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. So we'll sing. There'll be prayer spaces open. We'll bless the kids before. But We invite you to come to the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith, you who have little faith, you who have been here often, You who have not been here for a very long time or ever before, come. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Come not because the church invites you or because I invite you, but because the resurrected Christ invites you to come and be fed. you stand for a benediction to the church gathered in St. Paul, don't forget, we reap what we sow. So sow the seeds of life, sow the seeds of justice, sow the seed of hope, sow the seeds of forgiveness, sow the seed of light, and don't grow weary of doing good keep going. Keep going. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Don't forget, to do a little bit of good, you could run a marathon right over here, Team World Vision, on my left, your right. If you need the prayer space for anything, please use it on my right, your left. See you next week.